You're listening to Kurakas, a podcast for artists and creators to get advice on the business of the arts from renowned Zimbabwean experts in their respective fields. Funded through the Scripts and Bars project by K-Media Africa, supported by the British Council in partnership with Swiss Agency for Development and Cooperation, SDC, hosted by the Kura Agency team. this episode, we talk to award-winning director, playwright, and director of the Intwasa Arts Festival, Kobulawe, raised on by, on how artists can get booked for more live gigs. This conversation takes us through a journey of how festivals are put together, the role of promoters, and how even as a new and upcoming artist, you can make yourself more desirable to these players for more events. Just a note though, this episode has a little more background noise than usual. After all, we were talking to an administrator of the arts. Okay, here's Raised on By. Hey, my name is Raised on By. I'm the festival director for Intuasa Arts Festival, Kogulawayo. Uh, the festival is an annual festival, multidisciplinary. A platform that um, mainly programs, I think, about 80 or so percent of our content is local and uh, with resources allowing, we then fill the other percent with uh, international ads. Uh, we operate in Blawayo and uh, we also do other events outside the festival, uh, what we normally call in between festival activities throughout the year. That's uh, the basic uh, info about the festival and myself. Uh, yeah, I think so. All right. And maybe just talk to us about what a fe- festival director does. What is, What are your duties? What are you responsible for? What do you do during the festival and probably in between as well? Well, uh, the, the formal basic... Uh, uh, responsibilities are basically first and foremost is uh, I lead the team uh, because the, the festival is a board of uh, directors. There's also what we call a festival uh, team and then uh, a small secretariat which I lead where basically we have a festival admin and then a few other people that are within the office throughout the year. So what I do, or the requirement basically of a festival director is that first and foremost is to try and um, mobilize resources uh, to make sure that the festival happens. Uh, after mobilizing resources, is then to plan for the festival with the festival team. And uh, during the festival is basically uh, managing the team to make sure they deliver the, the festival. Well, once in a while, here and there, also probably act as a spokesperson for for the festival because uh, of, of resources we don't have um, a mentor. But in a normal situation with resources, you then normally get probably some other people doing marketing and uh, 
speech on behalf of the festival. But uh, I, I think the generality of our festival situations is that uh, we try and improvise and cut corners here and there because most of them are not uh, as properly funded as they should be. Right. In the process of running the festival, would you say that you're fairly hands-on or there's a lot of things that you have to like let go and um, delegate to? Well, you know, the, the idea is that uh, it's a teamwork. So there are stuff that uh, you have to let go and other people do, let other people do. Because when you are part of a team, you need to trust the others that they are able to deliver. Probably uh, because of resources, you are just two or three and you are running all over the place trying to make sure that uh, the the festival happens. Our 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 situation. Uh, when I say our, I'm not just talking about into us. I'm talking about a lot of other festivals that I've been privy to either observe also, and I've also had the, at least the opportunity to go outside the country and observe other festivals that have resources. Our, our situation, unfortunately, uh, pushes a lot of festival directors and the team around them. Uh, no, sometimes when you get into that role, you must be able to be the person that can then uh, is flexible enough to say if they want you to be a driver, you can be a driver. They want you to run around, you can run around. They want you to be a stage manager, you can stage manage. But the most important thing is that you also need to be able to have a vision and also be able to create a team that uh, trusts that even when there are no resources and uh, everyone needs to run, everyone is running in the proper direction. Because if you are not that clear, you might be running, but running nowhere and doing nothing. Okay. And with what you've been experiencing and seeing of our local arts and music industry, what's, what's your views on its standing? What are your thoughts? Do you feel as if we're progressing, we're digressing? Are things going well? Are they not? I, uh, I think we, we are progressing slowly. And, uh, but uh, we, we know where we need to be going. And there are people that slowly have seen the direction and seen the light and are going towards that. So what we just need is that uh, uh, everyone needs to, to think straight, look at uh, uh, where everyone is going, and uh, we help each other to go the right direction. Is that uh, We sometimes have artists that think uh, coming into the sector, it's... it's, it's it's more like you come in today, tomorrow you are famous, the next day you are getting gigs all over and stuff like that. There is that uh, kind of attitude that uh, maybe the sector owes people something. But uh, the truth is a lot of people that are making it are people that are sweating for it uh, and spending sleepless nights trying to do the right thing. And uh, those are the ones that finally either recognize and end up making it proper. Okay. Um, previously, I was having a discussion with um, a couple of managers and um, artists, and they were highlighting on how a lot of the livelihoods of people in the arts and music industry comes from live performances and doing gigs. Um, in your view, how, how important are those live performances and gigs to 
artists, their livelihood, and how they survive? I I think for for, for a lot, I, I, I've been cutting across not just music. I, I think uh, theater performers uh, uh, live on that. I've seen dance groups living on that. Uh, musicians waiting basically to to do live performances and survive from that because. Uh, the selling of music away from 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 live performances is only benefiting a few musicians. For most of those that we know, is basically the live performances that is putting food on their table. So it's very important then that uh, a lot of uh, our artists know that and then work on that presentation because it's very critical. Because it's the one that's bringing bread and butter to their table. And what's the impact of these live events and performances to our community and societies? When when we're talking the art sector, we're basically talking live performances more than anything else. Because that's, for me, what's keeping the sector alive. So whenever we want to talk about uh, the arts in Bulawayo, the arts maybe even in Zimbabwe, a lot of people relate to live performances more than anything else. Uh, so it's, it's, it's important that uh, even when you are talking, there goes an artist. Most The first question that uh, a lot of people would ask you, where do they perform? So, so it's important that uh, we acknowledge that uh, at the moment, live performances are like the life, uh, lifeblood of all of the art sector in, in, in this country. Do you see a lot of Blawayo acts um, going to perform outside of Blawayo, even if it's in a different city or a different country? Well, that's the, that's the survival tactic that and the wish that uh, they actually find opportunities outside Blawayo and go and prosper because at the moment in Blawayo, there are very few venues that offer live performances. So you then get a lot either uh, waiting for weddings, waiting for that once in a while event that uh, either is brought in as a national event or a festival that comes in after maybe festivals normally come in maybe four months after each other. So in terms of performance uh, uh, opportunities, they are far and wide. So it's important that then once the artists have a product, have a, something to offer, then they find opportunities even outside the city. Because that's the only way they can survive. If they just wait for local opportunities, uh, it might be difficult to sustain themselves. And how can they start finding these opportunities? Is it an issue of going out to network? Is it we have to listen out for a notice board for these things? What, what do people need to do to be able to go out and find these opportunities to um, perform outside? I, for me, I think it's two ways. One is to properly recognize uh, the platforms that, uh, that promote live performances, the promoters that perf- promote live performances. We need to properly and formally recognize them protect them and in some cases even 
make sure they get the help they need, whether it's funding, resources, or whatever, because those are critical people. But sometimes we, we have this attitude that uh, if I may bend, I will create my own opportunities. Sometimes it's difficult. It's like even in, uh, I would put an example, maybe even in literature, where a writer starts saying, I want to self-publish, I want to market my books. It's too tiresome to do a lot of other things. But it's always nicer, for example, a good band must be introduced to different spaces. It doesn't have to literally create its own spaces. But at the moment, because we are not recognizing the role that promoters are playing, the role that uh, certain spaces are playing in promoting live performances, we end up creating unsustainable opportunities where I want to go and do one show, I spend two, three months rehearsing a show, I do a one live performance and that's the end. And that's not sustainable. But if there are spaces that are recognizable, spaces that we, we know every day they are, their job is to look for audiences and write content, I, I think then we'll be creating an industry, a sustainable industry for that matter. Um, are there instances where these um, festivals and promoters uh, make an effort to go and discover and find this talent instead of having to wait for them to come and find them? Yes. Uh, I think a lot of festivals have tried to introduce new talent. A lot of festivals have uh, always... I think appreciated the idea of bringing in new voices, new faces to the sector. However, I, I think also it's important that the reason why most of our festivals have not survived is because they've gone this approach that uh, we, we must be seen to get new talent, we must be seen to give opportunities to literally everyone. But the idea is that these platforms must also be treated as businesses so much that when you hire or give out a platform to a specific artist, there must be a win-win situation. Because the idea is that if I'm promoting and I have a platform and I bring in, let's say, an artist from Harare, there must be something that when the artist go back, goes back to Harare, there must be something that I remain holding whether it's money or something else, it's important. And there are other artists also must go back with something. But what's happening at the moment is that we're expecting a lot of spaces to just create these opportunities and then they remain dying. Because, for example, if I'm forced, not really forced, but I go out and, uh, and maybe program three, four unknown artists and I'm getting audiences of 10 people, five people, and, and then and then after a month, I'll go broke. So we need to balance that. And it's very important that there is, there is a balance because as long as uh, we are not thinking commercially or business-wise, we will always be thinking someone else has money to just throw away in the name of promoting new talent and new faces. But it has to be a win-win situation. If someone is up and coming, someone is new, they must be new and up and coming maybe two, three years and after that they must have made it to such a point that uh, they are making 
money for the promoters also and for the platforms that they've uh, been uh, uh, programming them. So when we have some of these instances when you know you you put together a space on or, or program an event and you put a lineup of up and coming artists and you have a situation where there's a low turnout what what's some of the things that causes those low turnouts to happen whether it is in Blawayo or in your experience any other city what's one of the things that causes one of these low turnouts to to happen well from my experience is that uh, in, in a normal setup where you actually say for example it's a festival and uh, the artist knows that uh, they've been engaged and they're going to be paid most of them are not actually making an effort to promote the event i i've always said to a lot that i have either worked with or gotten time to talk to is that you find an artist who is on a let's say festival program and it's the mass of that festival you go either to their socials and you see nothing about uh, a festival that they are programmed to be performing that month. They are not saying anything. And, and, and that speaks volumes in terms of what are their expectations. They're just going to go on stage, perform, get their money and go. They are not worried whether people are there or not. But uh, if we are to work, we need to work from both sides. The platforms, the promoters, the event organizers need to work hard in terms of promoting. But also, on the other side, when you are a creator, you need to start with your own people. For example, if I were to come and perform at your own, uh, at your own uh, event, if it's a local event and it's my city and I stay there, we expect at least maybe three or four or five people that either your friends or your family before anyone else, those are the people that you need to bring to a show. Not for free, but they need to be supporting you because they believe in what you are doing and need to support you. So much, for example, if I were to program 10 young artists, and my, my belief would that be in that event, at least a minimum of 50 people must be there paying to see those. Because my assumption is that each one must have at least five people that he has literally gone out there and said, guys, come and support me, and even just sold five tickets. But no one, a lot of people don't want to do that because why expecting that someone else is going to run around and bring the audiences. And when it doesn't happen, that's why we now have this problem where if you give promoters money, they are only thinking of two, three, four, five people to call to their event because... They, they are the ones that are known to bring numbers. So we need, we, need, we need to change that to a point where we have quite a number of artists, not our usual four or five. We need to have a lot of artists bringing in audiences. And when we're saying bringing in audiences, we're not talking 10,000 of audiences. It's nice to negotiate with an artist and, uh, and see at least they have 100 people that uh, have actually come to watch them. At least it's a starting point. But when someone is zero, it then becomes difficult for you to get your next what? Your, your, your next opportunity. Because with zero, where are you going to start? 
So as an up-and-coming artist, if I make an effort to build my own following, my own audience, which when I'm going to perform somewhere, I can influence to come and also see me, it helps to attract you guys as festival organizers to say, okay, there's this young upcoming artist and he has a bit of pull in his own audience. That that helps for me to create my own audience. Yes, I'll, I'll give you an example. Some, I, I think a couple of years ago, we, in Bulawayo, we, we really didn't know, there's a guy, I think a rare guy called Bazooka. We didn't know him. And the team came when we were sitting in the, the and trying to plan for, for for one of our events, someone came with that name and suggested it. And half of our team was saying, we don't know that guy. What is he going to bring to the festival? And we had two guys that had seen him that literally said, put him and you'll see. And uh, we took a risk. We put him. We had a show. And we had people that were literally saying, we came for Bazooka. They were there, he performed. The moment he left the stage, those people left. And and you could actually see, they were not like your hundred thousands or what what, but you could see literally people that were there came when he was on stage. They went near the stage, they danced, they enjoyed, and the moment he finished, they left. So already you know that there is a base to start from. To cultivate because already there's they there's some interest there. So it's 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 something that you want to see and then you can work with. Because if you are if you are if you are a an event for an event organizer and that happens, you would know that if for example you, you then mix that person with uh, maybe someone like Winky D or Jab Fraser that you have really good crowds and they perform there, they will also be able to attract, let's say, 50 or 100 people from that crowd that might say, ah, next time, I want to see that young man. Because that's how you grow your audience. But also, it's nicer to work with someone, even if they don't have an audience, that you see their effort. They are running around in the streets. They are are giving out flyers. They are posting on their socials. They are talking about it. Even as an event organizer, you actually realize that this person is appreciating the platform that we are providing. Even if people don't come, in, as, 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 as organizers, you also left, we tried, it did not work out. Rather than to be left thinking, maybe we brought the wrong person who was not even interested in us. So, how do you guys manage to make that um calculated decision of pulling someone because um, there are instances just like social media social media numbers but does that really give a good idea to say that this person will be able to bring in a certain set of numbers what else do you guys look at that could potentially be able to to make you make the decision that this person could be able to make the effort to bring 50 100 people on their own well from a festival point of view the idea is that because you have many activities so already you start calculating that at least if i'm doing 10 events you are probably saying three or so of those events i really don't want to make money i want either to create an experience or i want to take a risk 
on these people that I've seen running all over the place throughout the year. And then I want I want to push them. Because one of the things that 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 works in favor of artists in terms of being programmed is that don't wait for events. Be running on your own, be trying things because people are watching. It's easier to then say, I want to work with so and so because throughout the year they've been trying to put up shows. It means throughout the year they've been trying to cultivate an audience. Rather than for someone to just sit at home and saying, I'm going to wait for this festival or I'm going to perform at this event once a year, it then becomes difficult because you then don't see their progression. But for those that are always trying to put up an event here and put up an event there or a program here and program there, because they are so active, you are actually easier. For for example, you can then program them like now into an event is three, four months down the line. You can then be following them and seeing how are they doing so that you can also see where to tap in and tell people that ah, this month, this person that you have been following all over is now at this particular event. So it's important that uh, they also do their own uh, running around. Mm-hmm. And as a young and upcoming artist, so I've, you've seen that I have the talent. I have, um, I have the desire to go out and build my own audience and probably you can see that there's a certain number that I've built myself probably on socials or in the streets. What other quality do you guys as event organizers look at from these young talents that also attracts you to want to then put them on your roster? All right. Uh, well, the difference is that maybe a promoter in the maybe a festival might be different. In the, the difference might be in that time uh, for example, a festival only comes once a year. And maybe we interact with an artist once a year. And uh, to then really try and and and, uh, and maybe help in the development of that artist, if you don't have other activities throughout the year, it might be difficult. But if you are a promoter, the assumption then is that if you, you get yourself a, a young, promising, a talent. The idea is then you start grooming them and uh, pushing them towards opportunities that then can grow them. And maybe the assumption is that you have networks with festivals, you have networks maybe with people that uh, do galas, you have networks with nightclubs and stuff like that, so that uh, you are giving them different experiences and you are giving them opportunities to be seen by a lot of people in different platforms, and that grows them. Because performing once a year will not grow someone. Going to record in a studio and then uh, uh, hoping that the radio will, will, will push you might not even work. So you need someone or a team that really believes in you and that can then start pushing you in different uh, uh, platforms. So let's say as an artist, I'm, I'm now aware that there is in Twasa Festival or any festival or there's promoters that exist and um, probably they haven't gotten in touch with me to be able to come and perform. How can I make myself um, a- available to them? How can I pitch myself to festivals and um, promoters so that I can start being included in their activities? Well, uh, 
there are two ways. One is unpopular, one is okay. Uh, for me, I've always said, for example, if you know there's a festival and you, have, you wish to be part of that festival, you apply to the festival and they don't, maybe they don't respond. If you know physically where they are, I always say, just pop in and say, ah, look, maybe I applied or I have interest. Uh, what's the situation like? It's better to be told that this year we didn't program you for one, that there will be a reason why they didn't take you. So that uh, if it's something that you can work on, you you, you are there. Because thinking that uh, people will come to me uh, might not happen. But also the reason why a lot, maybe those that don't need to apply, that uh, festivals can just go there and say we want you, is because they are already going to someone that we might say someone who's bankable, someone that they know if we program will give us uh, audiences. Because let's be honest, uh, festivals are judged uh, not just by the artists that they program. They are judged by the audiences that come to their events. So you also are thinking around that, that if I bring so-and-so and I fill this space, people will judge me differently. than If I bring good music, and then there's no one. So you, you, you have programmers juggling around that. So it's important to also just go in and say, why am I not in the program when I apply? Not that you can force yourself in, but just to understand. And if you you are told the reason, you might then work on it. The second one, which is not popular with a lot of artists, is to say, okay, uh, are there any spaces where I can just perform even for free? But I know that... Uh, uh, has been shut down by a lot of artists because they think uh, when you talk exposure and stuff, you are actually talking exploitation of the artist. So it's 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 it's, it's one way or the other. I a friend of mine once said to me that uh, you are not exploited until you know or until the day you know that you are being exploited. And once you know that you are being exploited. It's now about you making the decision. Do you continue being exploited or do you say no? So when you go and say, can I volunteer for this platform? It's because either you know that uh, you want to create a relationship with uh, this event so that next time probably you are not you are not volunteering, you are being paid for one. But it's such somewhere. But I know a lot of people will always say a lot of artists have been taken advantage of by this idea of volunteering. But uh, it works both ways. If you feel it's exploitative, don't take it. If you feel you might uh, get something out of it, take it. That has always been my, my advice around that. What are some of the common mistakes or things that you know that some artists have been excluded from have been excluded by programmers for what, what what are common things that people should look out for and avoid doing that people are getting excluded from by programmers for well my, my, my experience has been first it starts with attitude because what you must know is that once you are part of a program you must be able to know the culture of that event for example if it's an event that uh, maybe starts on time, if we say uh, the show is seven, and uh, 
you are only telling us that I'm on my way at seven exactly. Next time you might not make it because already it means you didn't actually study the culture of that event. So it's important that you know the people that you are working with or the event that you are performing in and behave according to that particular culture. One. Maybe the second one is that uh, behavior outside the stage. For example, I'll tell you we have had incidences where we have brought in artists and when they leave, we, we get a lot of complaints in the lodges or the hotels that we have put them. Things missing, uh, a behavior, maybe they will have drank things and not paid and stuff like that. So already when you are left with bills that we had not planned for, it then becomes a, a, a problem. So you are already maybe ticking and saying this one is, we need to avoid people like this one next time. Or uh, sometimes being, we have had also had situations where we agree that this is what uh, we are going to do, maybe as an event or as a festival, and the artist agrees, and on the day of the show, you start having an artist coming up with new demands because they already know you can't cancel the show. So that already is a red flag for, for, for I think, a future appointment because they're already thinking this person uh, cannot be trusted. And then uh, maybe the last one could be around uh, the performance itself. It's important that uh, what we buy if we agree that this is the product that we are bringing to the festival, that's exactly what you must bring. We have had situations where you, you, you agree on something and when it comes, it's either shorty, it has not been rehearsed, or it has completely been changed to something else. Where, for example, you, you have an artist, let's say a singer, he has three very popular songs that everyone wants in the streets, and you agree, we are bringing you because you are popular for one, two, three reasons. And they get on stage and they say, ah, I've actually better music than what people know. And then you start singing completely uh, different things that not anyone in the audience knows. And, uh, and because at the end of the day, you as organizers, you are left answering questions that you you were not prepared for because people start saying, but this is not what we paid for. This is not why we came here for. So it's always important that that communication in agreement to say, what are we buying and what are you selling and what will you bring uh, on stage? It's, 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 it's very important. And maybe last, last, last is then basically trust. It's very important to trust each other. If you tell me this, I'm going to be there on Tuesday, and Tuesday were there. Or if something up, wrong happens, you tell me in time, ah, I might not be able to be there because this and this happened. It's fine. But after that, I'll tell you, I once had an incident where one artist, uh, I programmed an artist from Harare to come and perform Blawai, not at the festival, but some other event, uh, told people, audiences came, everyone we were all day excited that this guy was coming and then uh, 
I think a couple of minutes to show you for the says I'm still in Harare. I have uh, we have a bereavement in the family, so I can't come. We sympathize. We cancelled the show. It was quite okay. Everyone went, but you know you always have complaints here and there. And then uh, weeks later, I'm in Harare, and I meet friends, and I'm talking about this guy. Ah, terrible thing happened. And they said, no, actually, that bereavement happened some three months ago. It was not during the time of the event. So from that, already you actually know, okay, so this person took advantage of this and, and, and made me lose faith. So already it's things that you don't want to, to work with in the future. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, at this point, I want us to get into, um, into us. So there are things about putting together some of these events and festivals that I know that as artists, we won't know about. But when some of this information comes to light, it makes us understand better um, about what goes on in the inner workings of these festivals and probably makes it easier for artists as well to know how they can pitch in, how they can be involved and how they can make your lives easier. So what I want us to do is to do a short exercise. I want us to um, be in a situation where we're thinking about us doing the next, us organizing the next Intuasa. So I want you to walk me through the process of us thinking about it, um, planning it, putting it together, everything from conceptualization to us doing a post-event review. So, yeah, that's the exercise that I want us to do right now. We're acting as if we want to plan the next Intuasa. Where do we start and what are the steps? To, to, to be honest with you, is that there are, there are two processes. It's, it's, you remember, when we started, I, I kept talking about, uh, about, about resources. So, we, with us, we have always, fortunately, that we have always had two processes because of, of resources. So the first process is where the ideal one, where we sit and visualize our next, uh, our next uh, edition. We look at the things, what we want to do, how many events we want to do, do a budget, and uh, start looking for resources for it, with a, even a plan for it. But uh, as we go on, because we normally we are funded, like when we are lucky to get funding, it's always year year. There's never been a situation where, for example, you get uh, funding maybe for three or four years so that you start planning way in advance. So once you have that, uh, as each month goes, you are ticking what in terms of resources, what uh, resources have come in, what are we able to do, what resources have come in, what are we able to do? So, half the time, because we're waiting for resources, you realize that uh, two or three months to the event, you start cutting a lot of things because uh, you had planned what was your ideal situation and uh, you wanted to do all these things, you were excited, you were, but then you have to sit down and say, look, what is the reality? And most of the time, the reality is decided by what's in your coffers. And then, so normally to do a proper 
when we start planning about things that we know are going to happen is when we have resources. And normally, it's unfortunate that uh, we normally get most of our resources maybe two months or one month to actually first them. And then uh, that's why we always have challenges in terms of either when people say we had little time to advertise and we didn't even know the event was there because we only saw it last week. And then there are a lot of things that we end up because behind stage, a lot of people don't know that what you really wanted to do, a lot of people might not even cut up because there are no resources. So, because you are now planning last minute things because of the resources that came last month, you are jumping But in a normal situation, you would want to plan, do your, your plan, your vision, your concept, that condition, do your plan in terms of the uh, whole plan, where the rollout plan, and then uh, you then also need to do a call, a call out, and because the call out is normally determined by the vision of what you want to do, and from that call you pick the artist that you want to work with, and you sign contracts around what you really want them to do, which is only sometimes when you're signed then start uh, marketing some of the events because you can't market the events because you are dreaming to have them, especially when you have a contractor with a software contract. So you find that uh, most of these times you are improvising as you go because of the business situation. So sometimes you might give step and wise what's supposed to happen step by step, but then you have this second situation, that's your reality, where you are then saying, this I can't do, I'm forgetting about it, this I can't do, this I can't do, in the end, you just have this. And then you have everyone outside saying, yeah, but you jumped a lot of stages, and you could have done this later. And you are thinking, we planned that, but uh, we couldn't do it because we didn't get resources. So we ended up doing this because of the resources that we have. Okay. That's 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 quite enlightening. Um in your own view, who's a up and coming artist that we should keep an eye on? <laughs> it's it's difficult for me to say because <laughs> uh, my my line is about um uh, I, I cut across genres. Okay. And usually when, when that question comes, which which is unfortunate, I always have issues with that because normally a lot of people will throw in a musician. Mm-hmm. And, and because of our media does that, we end up having a lot of people thinking that arts are basically about music and nothing else. True. So, uh, so if I were to give you, I then have to give you about eight up-and-coming artists from each genre, which at the moment maybe I cannot do. But no, uh, I want you to sentiments. I want you to pick your favorite <laughs> genre and your favorite <laughs> and the one that you're seeing that is up-and-coming. 
I picked that specifically for you because I know you're able to cut across and you can be able to expose us to not just music but other good arts that are up and coming. I will not give you names, but I'll <laughs> tell you that my my experience is that uh, there are a lot of young people that one have the talent, and two they have something that the older generation didn't have. They have education and information to to kind of add on to that talent. So I, I, I think they have a bigger advantage than a lot of our old generation artists. And what just needs to happen is that we need to give them an environment for them to flourish. It's very important. They are there a lot because I've worked with young poets that uh, I have said, wow, I, I didn't even know this exists. I've worked with uh, young playwrights. I've seen actors. I've seen filmmakers. I have seen young musicians, and and uh, it's uh, it's amazing. The, the only thing that a lot of these that uh, this exciting promise is that uh, some of their or some of their careers will die quickly because the environment will choke them uh, because we are not giving them the proper opportunities and the proper support. So my answer is that there are many. I think each city has its own up-and-coming artists, and and it's just about it's just about them giving them the opportunities and the support to make sure they push them until they reach national recognition. Because I think they stop being up-and-coming when they are recognized nationally. You know what? Besides I, that, uh, yeah. I think that is the most diplomatic answer that I can actually accept. <laughs> I can accept that. I won't push any further on it. Um, one of the last things, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from running the festival? My biggest lesson, my friend, actually two. The first one is that uh, don't bite a bigger chance that you can't chew. Why am I saying this is that um, we, we, we did festivals under the shadow of Hi-Fi at one time. And most of the festivals then wanted to be like Hi-Fi. Literally do everything, look big. And we, we would program bigger when we didn't have resources. So every edition uh, you end up being, being in debt. And it has been my bigger lesson that don't do things you have no money for. If it means doing one event and call it a festival, do that. Don't do 10 events when you have money for one event. That's the first one. The second one, in terms of my lessons, is that uh, no matter how much you try, you will never please everyone. So, have a vision, know what you want to do, and those should be the guiding principles, not people clapping hands for you. Because not everyone will clap hands for you, because they don't understand the vision, or they don't understand the size of your pocket. So you and your team are the ones that understand that, so do that 
what your pocket allows and what your vision is saying to you, rather than wanting everyone to say, ah, you are good, ah, you are big, ah, we see you and stuff like that, because you will never please everyone. Okay. And what's the one piece of advice you give to up-and-coming artists? Well, my, my advice would be no one owes you anything except yourself. So you need to push and get into the spaces you want to get uh, without any apology. And, uh, and if you make it, know that uh, you are making it because you are talented and you belong there, not because you owe a favor to someone else. Okay. Then the and last no thing... No one owes you a favor. So. I like that. The last thing... Um, what haven't I asked you that I should have asked? Ah, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take that as a compliment. Well, what, 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 what I would want to say probably is that with festivals, they properly constituted, there should be a lot of careers around, not just two or three people. But the unfortunate part is that... Uh, one, uh, because of the environment that we are living, they are not sustainable now to create careers for a lot of people. But I think uh, it's impossible that as we plan for the future, we are not just planning festivals as one-day events. We are planning them as institutions. Because our trouble has been that when we try to raise funds, everyone is always thinking we only exist one week and we are gone. So when you try and say, look, I want maybe resources for four or five people to be in the office from January to December, the question has always been, what will they be doing all those months when we know we only have a festival for three days? So it's important that uh, uh, we need to teach festivals as institutions rather than as two-day, three-day or one-week very important because that way we are then able to create careers for, for quite a number of people rather than just uh, uh, for people to wait for two days, you employ them two days and they eight months that they don't know what they will do. By the time you look for them or they have gone to other uh, sectors and you are starting from zero again. Okay. Um, how can people keep up with you online? Where can people find you? Yes, we, there are so many into us social platform, but I don't have the I don't have the the handles and all that this week. But uh, I think people if they search into us on into us as Facebook, on Facebook, into us as Twitter, Instagram, stuff, they'll find stuff. That's no problem. I'll do some of that homework and I'll put those links in my show notes so people can find them all right thank you so much for your time i won't take up any more of it you've been such a great guest to have i appreciate you coming on thank you very much thank you so much this was kura casts funded through the scripts and bars project by k media africa supported by the british council in partnership with the Swiss Agency for Development and Cooperation, SDC.